the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Very much for joining us as we get underway at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the sixth morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Wow. Um, the marathon continues, the Francathon, at least for me anyway, uh, because uh really, really enjoyed doing the uh, first three hours of the program today by way of the national show uh, for Hugh Hewitt. And uh, we covered a lot of really important ground with a lot of really important people on that program. That I'm very excited to share with you in this uh, uh, in this forum uh, here on AM 1420, the answer, and I want to get your reactions to some of the things that I presented to the national audience, which I will represent to you. Or that's right, represent, not represent, but represent to you. So um, buckle up. There's a lot of information I'm going to share with you from uh, our our guests that I talked to this morning, and uh, it's going to start. With breaking news that kind of happened overnight, at least I didn't know about this last night when I turned in for the evening, but I found out uh, this morning when I got up, and that is an enormous victory that cannot be overstated, that cannot be overstated for religious liberty. You remember Jack Phillips, do you not? Jack Phillips, the Colorado uh, baker whose Masterpiece Cake Shop was the first to be attacked by the LGBT mafia, uh, the gay rights organization, this right, that right, and so on and so forth, that uh, wanted to prove that their identities, their identification, or their belief in who and what they are, trumped and essentially wiped out the rights of other people to practice religion as they saw fit. You remember the story, right? Jack Phillips, this baker, is a literal masterpiece maker. It's the name of his shop, but it's also what he what he creates. His cakes are legendary in uh, Colorado. Uh, the the style, the design. I mean, he's truly an artist, as a lot of these kinds of cake makers are. They're artists, and he has served cakes and other baked goods to virtually anybody and everybody who has ever walked into a store, including gay people. <gasps> Gasp, including the very gay couple that came in and asked him to make a cake for their gay union, their gay marriage, their gay wedding, same-sex wedding, whatever you want to call it. Jack Phillips, the man who had served them multiple times before, said, sorry, can't do that one. Why not? Well, because I'm a Christian, and I'm a believer in the Bible, which says to me and other believers that marriage is between one man and one woman. It's my faith, so I can't participate in this particular ceremony by by providing my artistic talents for it. However, here's the number for some other bakers in town who would probably be happy to do that. Simple, easy, fair, honest. That's the way it is. Nope. The two individuals of course, then immediately took a complaint and filed a complaint of discrimination based on sexual orientation to the Colorado um, Civil Rights Commission. 
And, of course, the Civil Rights Commission was ready and raring to go and immediately declared this to be ground zero in the battle over religious liberty. Your religious objections do not get give you the right, they said, to discriminate against my clients, our clients. Yes, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission essentially acted as the de facto attorneys for these two individuals. So fast forward, this battle has been going on for several years now. Fast forward to last year, and we finally get this to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court delivers a smackdown of the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, determining that what they did was illegal, determining what they did in trying to organize boycotts and to encourage boycotts of this uh, man's business based on his religious beliefs was something they could not engage in. Jack Phillips won a seven. It wasn't even close. It wasn't a five-four. It was a seven-to-two decision at the Supreme Court, rebuking the commission for its clear anti-religious bias against this man and his business. He had done nothing wrong. He was not homophobic. He was not anti-gay. He just simply said, "I can't do the wedding cake. That's just not going to be the one of the things things I can do." So that's the fast forward, and now here's the update. Today, the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is one of the most important legal organizations working in America today, Alliance Defending Freedom, representing Jack Phillips, providing their legal services to him, announced today that they had won an ultimate victory, even perhaps bigger than the Supreme Court victory, because after the Supreme Court smacked down the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, the civil right or the uh, uh, the uh, liberals in Colorado would not take that no from the Supreme Court for an answer. They came back at Masterpiece Cake Shop again, and this time with a trans request a transgender person uh, demanding a cake be made to celebrate their transition, which is also a violation of the religious beliefs of the very Christian Mr. Jack Phillips. So they filed more charges, and here we go again. This time, it was bigger. This time, it was better. Because this time, the Alliance Defending Freedom, to whom we all owe an ignore, I cannot overstate that, to whom we all owe an enormous debt for protecting because if they protect if they protect Jack Phillips religious liberty they protect your religious liberty our religious liberty these cases are precedent setting so very important and this time the alliance defending freedom came armed with with clear evidence of bias on the part not of Jack Phillips but on the part of the commissioners who were anti christian an anti-constitution, uh, uh, quite frankly. The Colorado Civil Rights Commission announced yesterday that it will dismiss its charges against cake artist Jack Phillips, dropping them altogether, not letting this one get to the Supreme Court. They dropped the charges because of the evidence that has been presented by ADF, evidence of the state's ongoing hostility toward religious freedom. Alliance Defending Freedom Attorneys filed a federal lawsuit, Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Elinus, on behalf of Phillips after the state began to prosecute him even after the Supreme Court's ruling in his favor. ADF Senior Vice President of U.S. Legal Division Christian Wagoner 
said the state of Colorado is now dismissing its case against Jack, stopping its six and a half years of hostility toward him and his beliefs. Uh, Jack's victory is great news for everyone. Tolerance and respect for good faith, uh, I'm sorry, good faith differences of opinion are essential in a diverse society like ours. They enable us to peacefully coexist with one another. But the states demonstrated an ongoing hostility toward Jack because of his beliefs is undeniable. The fact that one commissioner called Jack Phillips a hater on Twitter was already publicly known. But a Colorado state legislator recently disclosed that he spoke in November 2018 to a current commissioner on that Civil Rights Commission who expressed the belief that, quote, there is anti-religious bias on the commission. So a commissioner ratting out other commissioners. And then last week, ADF attorneys uncovered other statements from a 2018 public meeting in which two of the Colorado Civil Rights Commissioners, who had been targeting Jack Phillips and Masterpiece Cake Shop, targeting religious liberty, two of these commissioners voiced their support for comments that a previous commissioner, Diane Rice, had made in 2015. Those comments, which were strongly condemned by the Supreme Court in its ruling, called religious freedom a despicable piece of rhetoric. So you following the story here? Two current commissioners doubled down and backed up a previous commission a commissioner's statement that religious freedom is a despicable piece of rhetoric. Thus, essentially advocating for, uh, or not, not advocating, uh, I guess displaying their deeply held bias and animus toward Jack Phillips, toward Masterpiece Cake Shop, toward religion in general, which means they cannot fairly prosecute this case. They have a preconceived bias against religion. At a June 22nd meeting last year, members of the commission discussed the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling. During that discussion, Commissioner Rita Lewis said, I support Commissioner Diana Rice and her comments. I don't think she said anything wrong. Later, a second commissioner, Carol Fabrizio, uh, Fabrizio, added, I also very much stand by Commissioner Rice's statements. I was actually proud of what she said. <laughs> I agree with her. I'm almost glad that something the commissioner said uh, ended up public and used because I think it was the right thing. So these two current commissioners backing up the, a previous commissioner's statement that religious freedom is a despicable piece of rhetoric showed the clear bias of the existing commission, essentially neutering it, making the commission powerless. The prosecution of Jack Phillips that the commission has decided to drop began after an attorney uh, who targeted Phillips complained to the state about their decision to create a cake, uh, not to create a cake, rather, designed pink on the inside and blue on the outside to reflect the celebration of a, tra- a gender transition. The attorney requested that cake later, asked Phillips to design a cake with a satanic theme and images. We are pleased that the state will be dismissing its case against Jack, said Kristen Wagoner. This is the second time the state has launched a failed effort to prosecute him. While it finally appears that the message uh, that is anti-religious, that its anti-religious hostility has no place in our country, the state's decision to target Jack has cost him more than six and a half years of his life, forcing him to spend that time tied up in legal proceedings. So, bottom line here, massive, massive victory. The exposing 
of the bias of liberal progressive members of quote-unquote civil rights commissions um, and their intent to target religion because they find religion to be despicable. That's the biggest takeaway from all of this. Jack Phillips won, which means you won, which means I won, which means everybody who believes in our right to practice religion as we see fit and not being forced to give up our faith and to give up our deeply held Catholic beliefs. I'm sorry, not Catholic, deeply held beliefs. Because you can be Christian, you can be Muslim, you can be Jewish, you can be whatever. You don't have to sacrifice your religious principles all because you've been ordered to do so by some rabid, liberal, progressive organization like the LGBTQ community. We like to call the LGBTQ mafia. They tried to force it. It did not work, and this is a glorious, glorious win. So I woke up to that this morning. I was very happy with it. When I saw it, I thought it might start your day on the right foot as well. 20 minutes after 9 o'clock, we'll take a time out. We'll check our traffic. I'll open up phone lines to you as well at 216-901-0945 on the Bob Francis. 2624. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed it is, and that is indeed what we do. Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, thanks also if you were listening to the Hugh Hewitt program a little bit this morning. A lot of ground to cover there. Peter Kersenow joined me on the Hewitt program earlier this morning. Uh, and while you are used to hearing Pete's voice, um, a lot of the national audience is not. And Pete was in rare form today. He was spectacular talking about hate crimes and talking about the Masterpiece Cake Shop. I'm going to let you hear from him coming up in the next half hour as well. Uh, so that we, and this is very different than what Pete and I talked about yesterday regarding the border and other things. So Pete is, is, uh, uh, has got a lot of very important information you, for you about hate crimes and the hoax hate crime of Masterpiece Cake Shops. That's right. The Colorado Civil Rights Commission committed a hoax hate crime. They tried to make it appear as though Jack Phillips, wearing a red MAGA hat, was practicing wanton discrimination against homosexuals uh, and trying to uh, uh, generate public support or public uh, uh, rather uh, anger toward him and support for their position. Essentially, they committed a hoax hate crime against him, and we're going to talk to Pete about that. John is in Parma on AM 1420, The Answer. John, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Real quick, a um, little background on this. The baker and the couple. The one, the couple that are, the gentleman that was one half of the couple who ordered the cake, him yeah. and the baker had an agreement. That the guy said, we're fine, and everything was okay. When he went home and told his partner, the partner and the partner's mother went on Facebook and created all the traction. So originally, everybody was fine until the mother got involved with the partner, did the Facebook group, and someone within the group filed the complaint. And that organization, the CCRC in Colorado, is like flypaper. Like, if you call 911, they have to respond. Right. They filed the complaint. They had to go through the motions. But because what you said, credence to you, the climate there, again, like flypaper, they are begging for people to file a complaint to get the party started. Yeah, that's a very, very important point here. <clears throat> In other words, the true villains here that are committing the crime 
uh, against Jack Phillips and Masterpiece Cake Shop are less the two complainants, you know, the gay couple, and much more so the, the Civil Rights Commission. Because as you said, they are compelled to at least investigate. Like you said, you call 911, somebody's got to answer. You go to the Civil Rights Commission with a complaint and say, I have, I've had my rights violated. They have to investigate it. But once they did investigate it and found find out what this was, they could very easily have said, "We investigated. We do not find this to be uh, a violation of civil rights." They've even rec- they've served you before, uh, and they know you're gay, and they have no problem with that, et cetera, et cetera. They offered to give you another, uh, you know, the numbers to other bakers and so on and so forth. They they could have just dropped this thing after a quote unquote investigation, but they were licking their chops and waiting for something like this because of their strong. Um, progressive liberal bias or excuse me liberal anti-religious bias and uh and that is that is they're the true villains here much more than the gay couple who just kind of like you said the mother and other people in the group may have uh, argued on their behalf but the real villain here is the colorado civil rights commission the liberal progressive government out there that's exactly that's truly what's but i thought it was important to say the customer and the owner of the bake shop everyone had an agreement they were okay with it it got out of hand when it got out of. Yeah, I I, I did not know that there was yeah. a conversation between Jack Phillips and one of the two partners in the situation that said, "Okay, I understand that, and and we're good." I did not know that part, uh, but but the rest of what you said is is certainly a matter of record, and that is once the complaint was filed, whether it was by mom or one of the Facebook group or one of the others who are their allies in these. Uh, you know, in these groups, uh, once that complaint was filed, then it became up to the Civil Rights Commission to do the right thing, and that is investigate and judge appropriately uh, what they found. And instead, they went on a mission, six and a half years. And, and worse yet, John, as you know, once that case was resolved, the Civil Rights, or excuse me, <clears throat> the Supreme Court said no. You can't do that to the Civil Rights Commission. Uh, you're wrong. Uh, they said, okay, now we're going to double down. And they sent a trans guy in there to, 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 you know, to try to say, we'll get him one way or another. That's the worst part about this. This is religious prosecution or persecution, if you will. And I'm borrowing Peter Kersenow's line that he used on the, uh, uh, on the uh, Hewitt uh, program this morning. This is religious persecution at its worst. There's no question about that. I got to get to the news now, right here on AM 1420. Social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob Frantz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, it's 935. Now the Bob Frantz Authority does continue. I'm going to give you a little bit of Peter Kersenow from my conversation with him this morning on Hugh Hewitt's program. Very different than what we discussed yesterday, so this will not be a repeat or a replay of yesterday's Kersenow appearance. We had new information to discuss, but we'll do that after we take a call or two here. I don't want to keep people on hold too long if I don't have to. So, Brian, in uh, Sagamore Hills, we're going to get you up right now on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, Brian. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm good, sir. What's on your mind? You know, um, it's funny. Uh, I, I was listening on the way back uh, from Akron, mm-hmm. and, you know, you mentioned the commission and how they found Christianity or the Christian religious or religion despicable. Religion and, in general, you know, not, ju- not just Christianity. Their words were well, religious yeah, yeah, freedom is a despicable piece. But... Yeah, right. A religious freedom in particular is a despicable piece of rhetoric is what the uh, exact phrasing was by one of the commissioners yeah. backed up and well, see, seconded funny. by two others. If you, if you read Frederick Nietzsche, and I just got done reading some stuff on him, he specifically looked at, at religion 
and Christianity and Judaism specifically as despicable, and it is one of the biggest corruptions that has ever happened to to the man, you know, to, to man itself, is these type of what he called slave morals. And from that, his greatest disciple, Adolf Hitler, uh, proceeded to destroy 16 million people. So this thing's coming around again, and this is what we're getting. When you, as Nietzsche said, when you take God out of the equation, all actions become equal. And, uh, you know, just uh, a terrible thing that Jack Phillips had to go through. I've been following it for a long time, and I'm very glad that, uh, you know, the rights and the truth came out, especially on this commission. Brian, if I might ask, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a chemist, a physicist, and a probologist. Wow. Uh, okay, so you're a scientist. And I was just wondering who, unless they're in a course, <laughs> uh, is sitting around and reading Nietzsche uh, and, and studying these things. You, you're, you're well, actually... I'm sorry? No, I said you're spot on, but please continue. You started to, to, to say what? Well, yeah, you know, there's there's a book that, that was done by D. James Kennedy. It's called uh, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? And it chronicles all the different things had Jesus not been born, what this, uh, you know, what this would have been like. And, you know, he's talking specifically about the culture of death and how uh, it was a very common practice for the Romans and for the pagans to expose little children. If they didn't like them, they just left them out. And it was the Christians who actually got them, uh, you know, kept them from exposure. And so we're, we're coming around to the culture of death again. This is where this comes from, but it's a really good book. If anyone wants to read it, what if Jesus had never been born? Fascinating. And your point, by the way, and thank you, Brian, for the call and for your, for your very uh, uh, correct points and, and the insight. <clears throat> into Nietzsche, and yes, as you say, his greatest disciple uh, and follower. Uh, this is what happens with the absence of God. This is what happens with the absence of religion and the assault and the attack on Christianity, <clears throat> excuse me, and the rampant uh, anti-Semitism and the attacks on Jews and the attacks on the existence of Israel is an indication that it's coming back around again, even harder and faster than before. That is a very, very astute point and part of a larger discussion that I hope to have in the very near future. For now, though, I do want to get to Peter Kirsten now, as I mentioned. I was hosting the Hugh Hewitt program this morning. And I asked Peter to come on to talk about a couple of things, including the Masterpiece Cake Shop and also hate crimes. Believe it or not, these two stories actually are kind of um, similar, and they intersect with one another. So this is the question that I started with Peter Kirstenau, uh this morning about the Masterpiece Cake Shop decision. And I should be hearing Peter Kirstenau answer that question right now. My apologies. We'll see if we can uh, make this happen. And, of course, I am running into a glitch. I seem to have these technical glitches at the very worst possible times. Peter Kirstenau from This Morning with Hugh Hewitt, one final attempt at this. All right. I don't know why we're not hearing this, uh, what the problem might be, but <clears throat> there is a computer problem there. I mentioned in the last segment before uh, we went to the break, I was stealing one of Peter Kirstenau's lines that he gave me this morning. That line was calling... This uh, treatment of uh, Jack Phillips, a persecution rather than a prosecution. 
Uh, I stole that from him because it's profound, and that is what the Colorado Civil Rights Commission did because it was specifically anti-religious in yeah, nature. I mean, he, he would make for yeah, anybody, oh, look at gay, that. straight, didn't matter. There he is, in two different places. <laughs> Thank you. Wonderful technology. All right, since this did pop up now in two different places, I'm going to give you one of them and let you hear Peter himself talk about that persecution of Jack Phillips. Yeah, I've followed it, and it's a travesty. It's really something that's despicable, and that's probably not a strong enough term, strangely enough. I've been following the Masterpiece case. For, for those of you in your audience uh, who are not unaware of it, this was the case that went all the way up to the Supreme Court. Well, actually, this wasn't. This particular defendant and the Colorado Commission, Civil, Civil Rights Commission had been battling over the baking of a, a gay wedding cake. Mm-hmm. And um, he had indicated that he was willing to bake any kind of cake whatsoever. I mean, he, he would bake for anybody, gay, straight, didn't matter. But what he couldn't do, because it was antithetical to his religious beliefs and practices, beliefs and practices was to bake a cake for a gay wedding. And so the Civil Rights Commission um, just went after him. It was not a prosecution, it was a persecution. They went after him, and there was considerable bias that was revealed in the record in the underlying proceeding that the Supreme Court took note of. Well, in any event, he prevailed in that particular proceeding. No sooner did he prevail, and this was a long, drawn-out struggle, and you've got to give him a lot of credit because, you know, this is an individual, and there were, um, of course, public interest law firms that were uh, uh, assisting him in this, but this is something that he was subjected to considerable opprobrium, ridicule. They put considerable pressure on him. You can just imagine commercially what that would do to him. And he was also subjected to other uh, instances of people trying to trigger, if you want to use that term, his denial of the baking of a cake based on some type of uh, uh, membership in a protected class. So in any event, uh, after he prevails on the gay wedding cake issue, a transgendered attorney brings uh, a lawsuit based on, or goes to Civil Rights Commission, based on his attempt to get a cake uh, baked for his transition. Right. And, of course... He declines to do so, and once again, we see this animus directed toward him, despite the fact that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission had been spanked by the Supreme Court just a short time ago. This is truly extraordinary, and this is going on, Bob, as you know, all across the country. We had a hearing at the Civil Rights Commission a couple of years ago at my instance regarding the uh, 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 restrictions on religious liberty, the threats to religious liberty, and it was based on what I had seen over the last 15 years or so, service on the Civil Rights Commission, the threats uh, toward uh, the religious and religious practice. And even I was stunned by what was revealed. The the overt hostility, I think, is something that most Americans probably don't witness themselves, thanks for that. But the elite hostility and the governmental hostility in discrete areas of the government is something to behold. There's a real threat here to religious liberty and to, to continued understanding of what it means to be a religious American today. So this is Im- important. It's something that bears watching all the time, Bob. As I've said, and I think you and I have probably discussed it at some point during the years, this is not simply about, you know, if you are agnostic or an atheist, you should be similarly concerned, even if you're not religious, you don't go to church or synagogue on a regular basis. Uh, this is something that goes to the essence of what we are as Americans, because it's not just about a religious belief, it's what you are permitted to believe. 
And if you are permitted only to believe a certain discrete set of principles, facts, then, you know, you're not an American anymore. You're controlled. Right. Uh, that's going to occur in a totalitarian regime. So this bears continued watching. The left uh, is, or the, the hostile to religion left, is going to continue to bring these kinds of attempts to denigrate religion, to curb religious practice, keep it out of the public sphere completely. And we haven't seen the last of it. No question about it, Pete. And, uh, and and the great news, of course, is though as of yesterday, which is why I brought this back up again, is the uh, Civil Rights Commission has dropped their latest charges against Masterpiece Cake Shop. So it's another huge win for religious liberty. Now, I'm going to make a professional radio segue here, Pete, and suggest to you that what the Civil Rights Commission had been doing to Jack Phillips and Masterpiece Cake Shop could be consti- constituted as a hoax hate crime. Very Jussie Smollett-like. They were accusing Masterpiece Cake Shop of doing something that is a hate crime, which is religion, or excuse me, discrimination against the LGBT community, uh, and, uh, and it wasn't true. He wasn't doing anything of the sort. I'm going to tie, that's the segue into your piece in National Review, where you have been doing the research and crunching the numbers on both hate crimes and hoax hate crimes crimes in Trump's America and the narrative that's been advanced. Take that away. That's an appropriate segue because the hate crimes narrative, as I've said in my pieces, doesn't go really to the suppression of hate crimes or the controlling of hate crimes. It really does go to trying to control how we think. And I'll get to that in a moment. But first of all, what's what's really upsetting about what's happening with respect to the hate crimes narrative is the extent to which progressives in the media, but again, I repeat myself, have taken false information, patently false, and repeated it over and over and over again, uh, inflaming the public debate with respect to it, engaging in a responsible and an incendiary rhetoric to order in order to advance a political cause. And... You can't do this in America. Engaging in racially inflammatory discourse, we know what happens there. But nonetheless, immediately after Jesse Smollett got arrested, the media didn't even pause for a second before it started pivoting to regardless of. In fact, this was a CNN headline the next day. It said, uh, despite or no, regardless of Jesse Smollett, hate crimes increasing. And then if you Googled it, what you found were scores of articles from a variety of the usual suspect media sources that said the same or virtually the same thing. That apparently there was a spike in hate crimes and they always would uh, uh, append to that in Trump's America or since Trump's election or in Trump's first year or because of Trump's divisive rhetoric. Right. Well, here, here was what the facts are. I'll give them to you very briefly. In 2017, the year that hate crimes allegedly spiked, according to the media and progressives, there were 7,615 total hate crimes. This comes from the FBI. We got this information during an extensive hearing at the Civil Rights Commission, 7,615 in 2017, okay? Well, 10 years previously, all right, not in Trump's America, the number of hate crimes was virtually identical, 7,624, despite the fact that there were 25 million fewer Americans more than a thousand fewer police agencies were reporting hate crimes, and there were a lot fewer hate crime statutes and ordinances on the books. Indeed, 
between 5,000 600 and 7,800 hate crimes were committed on an annualized basis over the last 10 years. And on, in fact, in 2006, there were 2,000 more hate crimes than there were. Pete, if you stopped right there, that number is is uh, very, very telling. But I know you've got more numbers. Joined by my homeboy now, fellow Clevelander, Peter Kersenow, continues with some fascinating statistics. Pete, just to kind of remind everybody of where we were, uh, we're talking about hate crimes in America. We're talking about uh, the narrative being that hate crimes have spiked because of the hateful, divisive rhetoric of President uh, Donald Trump. And you were in the midst of telling us all of the reasons why that is not so. Please continue. Right, and uh, let me give you a couple more. Now, to put it in all perspective, you know, not to diminish hate crimes, but perspective really is important here. In 2015, there were 1,231,566 hate crimes. I'm sorry, strike that. 1,231,566 violent crimes, meaning murder, rape, aggravated assault, robbery. Of those, there were 821 hate crimes, or 0.00067%. Uh, now, in any given year, 550 Americans are hit by lightning, and that usually occurs only in summer months or warm months, about six months. And so if you, you extrapolate from that, you could pretty much say that the odds of being uh, the victim of a violent hate crime are about the same as being struck by lightning. Again, not to diminish them, but put in perspective, because we have this vision perpetrated, I think in a large part by the media, that hate crimes consist of MAGA hat wearing uh, people running around, groups of them, descending upon some poor, defenseless, and outnumbered victim and beating them up, when usually hate crimes are graffiti and vandalism. Again, not to diminish that, but that's not consistent with the media rhetoric and what they're trying to per se, portray as this racist America whose leader is Donald Trump and a bunch of MAGA hat-wearing individuals. That's divisive. That's done for identity politics reasons. That's despicable because you don't engage in divisive racial rhetoric in the United States of America because there are bad outcomes. And one metric of that is um, I saw, and I, I, I'm a, I apologize because I can't remember the author of this. Uh, there was a poll conducted back in 2000 that showed that 73% of black Americans, more than white Americans, thought racial relations were very good or excellent. Um, that number dropped to 49%. And, you know, there's no definite correlation between, say, hate crimes and, and other uh, associated crimes and that, or the rhetoric surrounding it, causing this reduction in perception of racial relations. But you have to ask yourself, what was the change? In fact, we just had, you know, the first black president for eight years, yet we have a steep reduction in the perception of race relations in this country. Some things are happening, and I, I would, I would uh, propose that perhaps one of the triggering factors is this engagement in irresponsible identity politics pitting one group against another group for ostensible political advantage but doing great damage to the fabric of the country. Yeah, I completely concur with that. And what you said about the MAGA hat wearers being kind of uh, the you know the symbol, if you will, of, of hate crimes in America, which of course was advanced by the lies about the uh, Covington kids, and then of course the lies advanced by Jesse Smollett uh, and his uh, little hoax that he that he perpetrated. The media is so willing to to run with that, whether there are facts or not, demonizing uh, conservative Americans and and essentially proclaiming which actual Repu or excuse me Democratic elected officials have that red hat, Pete. Red represents the new pointed hood. Yeah, that's exactly right. A couple other data points, Bob, before I forget. Uh, there's one aspect of hate crimes that 
shouldn't be discounted, strangely, not strangely, because it's been historic. Anti-Semitic hate crimes constitute a disproportionate percentage of, based on population, of the hate crimes that are, that are out there. It's truly extraordinary. In the city of New York, for example, uh, in, and I may be wrong on the date, it's either 2016 or 2017, there were 149 total hate crimes, of which 40 2% were anti-Semitic hate crimes. That's truly extraordinary. Um, we don't hear, however, the same degree of condemnation directed toward those individuals who engage in anti-Semitic rhetoric, and there have been a few Congress people, for example, recently who've done that. But there's a different standard that's applied. So um, it's That's so very true, Pete. They're going to they're gonna vote. Nancy Pelosi is going to call for a vote condemning anti-Semitism, and it's all because of anti-Semitism being spotted by a Democratic representative, uh, Representative Ilhan Omar. Yeah. In this Civil Rights Commission hearing, I asked two questions of several panels of expert witnesses, and I'll just mention one of them because I hear the music. And that yes, is, yes, are you aware of any data, studies, or other evidence that shows that designating a crime a hate crime either deters, prevents, reduces, solves the crime, or assists in the apprehension of the perpetrator? Nobody had any such data. So ask yourself, that is what telling. advantage is there to having something designated a hate crime? You just heard it from Peter Kirsten out there. No added advantage whatsoever to apprehend anyone, get a conviction of anyone by designating something a hate crime. It is a politically motivated term. Uh, there's no question about it. So that was my conversation with Pete. <clears throat> my apologies for the uh, audio glitch at the beginning there. I'm unable to fire that for you. But I talked to Pete this morning on the Hugh Hewitt program. That's where the music came from, of course. I do want you to react to it. All right, 216 back after that. Hey, I'm Reba McIntyre. In life, you'll hear a lot of people tell you that you can do anything you want. I'm here to tell you that's true. Since I was a little girl, I dreamed of becoming a successful singer and entertainer. It took a lot of hard work, dedication, and perseverance to find my success, but it was worth it. I never gave up on my dreams. Remember, you can never have a dream come true until you've had a dream. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Short segment here to uh, wrap up our number one. Obviously, thanks for joining us. Uh, Peter Kirsten, I just had so much good information, both on Masterpiece Cake Shop and on hate crimes. You know, to listen to the left continue to do what uh, I mentioned to Pete, to turn the red hat of support for Donald Trump into the new Klansman-pointed hood uh, by suggesting that conservatives are committing hate crimes against minorities because of Donald Trump. It's wrong on every level something can be, can be wrong. Number one, statistics show that there is not an increase in hate crimes in the Trump America, as Peter Kirsten now pointed out. Number two, if there are hate crimes being committed, there is absolutely zero evidence to suggest that a majority of them, let alone I mean, a simple majority of them, let alone most of them the way the media wants you to believe, that are being committed by conservative-minded people conservative Trump supporters. Look, I'm going to paraphrase, or not paraphrase, uh, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to stereotype. I'm going to, I'm going to broad brush paint, is what I'm trying to say. Conservative, conservatives here, when I tell you that, generally speaking, conservatives don't do that. They don't commit hate crimes. You might see outliers, idiots, who do not represent conservatism, 
including, uh, you know, neo-Nazis or white supremacy groups and these kinds of things who might do that. But mainstream, cons- mainstream conservative America are usually on the receiving end of hate crimes, not on the delivering end. And statistic after statistic after statistic bears that out. It's important to keep in mind. All right, coming up in hour number two, AOC off the rails. Alexandria Calibundio Cortez in full color coming up next right here on AM 1420. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.